All right, this episode is about protests um, and how we respond to protests. Uh, and so to start off, you know, we have to think about the fact that what is a protest, right? People gathering, holding up signs, chanting, all of these things. Um, and I think for me, it's important to remember that this idea of a protest is a fairly new invention, right? Because prior to, you know, maybe 200 years ago, people didn't protest, they just revolted. And that if you look at the history of revolutions, right, like that a lot of times leaders, some leaders wouldn't Wait, know. Wait, you're talking about nonviolent protests, right? Because protesting has been, I mean, depending on how you define protesting, it's been around since the beginning of our country, right? Like the, the, you could say the Boston Tea Party was a protest in which they looted. Yes, right? So, okay, nonviolent protests, Okay. <laughs> right? Yes. I think the idea of a nonviolent protest, a nonviolent gathering, is not very common in history because a lot of times when people were disgruntled, they took up arms, right? I think that in my interpretation of the Second Amendment, that's part of what it is, right? The right to bear arms for a well-regulated militia. The idea that part of how we hold governments accountable is armed revolt or violent revolt against government forms. Um, and I think that's really important to remember because there is often, I hear right now, this phrase about the right way to protest right? Mm -hmm. Like, what is the right way to protest? Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of times that comes from an attitude that protesting is an end in itself. Like, oh, you protested, great, now go home. Mm -hmm. But to understand that protesting is a manifestation of collective grievance mm -hmm. that is seeking restitution. And what that means is that protests will always grow until those grievances are addressed. And so to think that, well, you know, we gave them the opportunity to protest and now they'll just go home and everything's fine is what has gotten us to this place. Mm -hmm. And then at the same time to understand that in that spectrum of someone writing a pamphlet to storming the Bastille, what we are experiencing right now, I would say is a pretty calm amount of protesting because mm -hmm. yes, there are looters and you know, we've talked about the, you know, the unfairness of judging, right? The entire protest by the worst elements of looters because it's the same thing as the police. But then to say like, Hey, like why do we protest and what is the goal of protesting? Yeah. I think it's interesting. Um, when we talk about MLK and his, nonviolent protest. I think of two things. One is that, yeah, he learned it, a lot of it from Mahatma Gandhi, who had protested in India uh, against British colonization. And he had, uh, and so uh, that was one of the people that he studied uh, in terms of nonviolent resistance. Uh, but even, even MLK himself, like, they were smart in how they protested in that, even in these marches, they were expecting and even, uh, inviting violence from the other side, mm -hmm. right? Like oftentimes, like they're not protesting in the middle of nowhere, right. right? They're protesting in these segregated cities, especially he picked cities with racist cops, racist right. sheriffs. Like he purposefully did that because he knew that 
they would send dogs they and would, water exactly. guns and, and get photographers ready to capture it. Yes, yes. And so uh, I want to say that, yeah, protest is a vehicle for change, right? And protests are uncomfortable. Yeah, I think that is important, like that they are inherently uncomfortable. Um, you know, what I think Trevor Noah said is probably better than anything, right? It's like when Colin Kaepernick knelt, they said this is not the right way to protest. When MLK marched, this is not the right way to protest. When people march in the streets of South Africa, this is not the right way to protest. There is no right way to protest because what protest is, it can't be considered right by the system that it's protesting. And I mentioned that because I think that the th understanding for me is that when there is a <coughs> protest happening and those protests, what is going to make those protests escalate into something worse, right? Into something violent. And it is not just the police coming in, right? It is ultimately if the grievances of that protest are not addressed. Mm -hmm. The only way to escalate protests is to do nothing, right? Is to not is for the systems of power to ignore the cries of the protesters. Mm -hmm. And in that sense, I feel like how do we respond to protests and whose job is it to respond to protests? I feel like, yes, we are protesting police brutality. And so that makes this particular protest a little bit different. But I do think that it is important that we consider that the real responsibility to respond to protests is not the police, right? The real responsibility is the people in power, right? city, state, federal legislators to say, we have a system in which this problem is occurring, in this which this problem is being promoted, how do we fix that system? Yeah, and I think that's what makes a protest like the ones we have right now very difficult because there's no leader. Like this has been said a lot, like the civil rights movement um, very clearly had some leaders, right? We had MLK, we had John Lewis, you had Al Sharpton, J Jesse James, actually, I don't know how old they were. Maybe not them. But in any case, you had these civil rights leaders who could push an agenda, who had uh, grievances. And right now, I think one of the difficulties is that uh, when you are fighting um, for justice at the local level, you don't have national leaders, right? You have um, individual groups in individual cities and each city might need or want something different. I mean, there are people who are sharing um, the eight, there's like a reform where like eight things that every police department should do, like ban chokeholds. Um, uh, I think one of them was like having cameras on body cams. Like, And some cities had like already implemented six, some had implemented zero. And I think uh, each city may have to figure out you know what that looks like for them yeah and i think that even in that it's because in the last 10 years when there were leaders right like people said we don't want to listen to this leader what you know do you mean? like i think like colin kaepernick is a prime example mm. right like he's kneeling he's saying this is about police brutality and everyone's like it's about the flag mm. <laughs> right so i think that to understand that it didn't start as a leaderless protest it was trying to be led, but because it kept getting shut down, because it kept shutting down, it's like, I think that it is great that most cities have a system of organized protest. And so I hear, you know, people right now saying, well, they're not protesting the right way, but it's because they were protesting the right way and you weren't listening to them. Mm -hmm. And so the unplanned protest, the spontaneous protest, the angry protest, 
those are things that are coming out because the quote-unquote right way to protest were not being listened to. Yeah, I think someone said on Twitter, um, but they were probably quoting someone else, which was, you know, a protest is supposed to make you feel uncomfortable, right? They're supposed to disrupt your way of life, and that's why protests will often go in the streets and block traffic, right? Mm -hmm. Protests will be at a football game. Protests will be um, visible, and that's the whole point of a protest. And yeah, it's it's easy for people who aren't affected to say that protests are annoying or or and they're supposed to be. Like, yeah, they're supposed to yeah, be they're annoying. They're in by to design, be. right? Like yeah. like I mentioned the Boston Tea Party earlier. That was supposed to be a statement, right? And I think as a Christian, there's you know as a Protestant, <laughs> Protestant Christian, you know we should especially understand that that the cry of protests is in effect, like a cry saying, we don't yet want to revolt, right? Like Martin Luther, when he nailed his thesis to the, he wasn't saying, we're gonna go schism, right? He was yeah. saying, please don't make us go schism. Or he wasn't even right? thinking, he was just saying, hey, let's address these issues within right. the system. And that if they are not addressed at some point, there will be a schism. Um, and even in that, I think then we talk about how do we respond to protests? Um, it should be legislative, it should be the people in power, the government systems. And then I think as well, when you cross that line from a planned protest to an unplanned protest, mm -hmm. then we have to reevaluate what does it mean to control or contain those protests, and therefore what do the police, what are the police role? Because I, I try to empathize with police officers that are called in to this unplanned protest. We don't know where its boundaries are. We don't know who's organizing it. Nobody's organizing it. And then in that effect, there are looters, right? Because they're of sin. There are people who are going to take advantage of it. So what is the role of police in that scenario? And what are we asking them to do? Which I feel like is a lot of what we talked about. Like, what are we, like, maybe we don't understand all the ins and outs of police, but what is the overall thing we're asking them to do? And I think that that's something we have to reckon with because we're now having, like the anger against police brutality, the protests are being responded by police brutality and this, uh, this, this mm -hmm. you know, that cycle is continuing. But I do think they are a little bit different because, you know, in a quote unquote peaceful situation where the police pull over a black man and then it ends up with him dying is different than police responding to a protest that may or may not end up in certain amount of violence. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the example is both Hannah and I, we were talking with a friend of ours who was, um, who was in law enforcement. And we were talking about the Buffalo case, uh, which many of you have seen, right? This old man comes up to this group of police officers that's walking, he starts yelling at them, and then they push him. And I, like that his, what his I liked his perspective because it helped me to understand more of what was going on, but my conclusion is the same, right? Because what he was saying was that the officer that pushes the guy, mm -hmm. that is a problem, right? Like that is an act that is prob that should not have happened. But at the same time, the way that these police departments respond to protests is they form a line, right? They, they hold that line at what they think is the edge of the protest. But then as soon as they see looting or violence within it, what they are told to do is to advance the line. It's like a, it's straight out of like 300, you know, Greek phalanx model. You advance the line and then 
you make sure everyone moves out of the way of that line because it's dangerous for people to be behind you. And then what, so yes, when that guy, when that old man came up and started yelling at them, what probably happened, now I'm not sure, but at least the procedure is they are told multiple times this line is coming through. And then actually, yes, the guy that pushed him was wrong. But a lot of people are criticizing, well, they're just stepping over him. Um, but what you see in the video is that there is one officer, he, go, he gets on his radio, and the reason is because behind the line is emergency services. That the police are being told, advance the line at all costs. If anybody gets hurt, there's medics and people behind you to take care of them. And then the reason why the, the and I think this is terrible politics and bad optics. So the police got in trouble for supporting their fellow cops, right, that got suspended. And then the union came out with a statement that said they're standing in solidarity. And what he was telling us when he was looking at the individual cops' statements, they were not standing in solidarity of the, like what these officers did. They were saying, listen, you know, him pushing him was not a good thing to do. Like, that was dumb. But the union's job is to defend all its officers in a court of law. Or, you know, and that's no, a whole account uh, of, or no, in a, in a uh, no, court I think of, it's just a, no, I think it's just right? to help pay for legal defense. Pay for something. legal defense. And so what the union did was basically said, these four, these officers, we, we leave them out to dry. We're not going to defend them. And so the, I think in that sense, the officers are akin to the Black Lives Matter movement because their grievance is, wait, here is this system that we have paid into that is supposed to defend us as innocent until proven guilty and it is scapegoating us instead and leaving us out to dry. And I was like, that's the same way that they feel, that Black Lives Matter feels, right? This is a system that we've paid into that's supposed to be assuming that we are innocent to proven guilty, and yet we are being scapegoated and we are our lives are being destroyed because you need someone to blame. And in that sense, I think it is important that we say, who are we holding responsible? Are we gonna hold responsible in this, again, different situation from you know, police brutality in quote-unquote regular circumstances. But in the midst of a protest, we have to say, why did we tell these officers to advance the line, right? Like, who is responsible for making that call? And then in that sense, it is to say, well, the reason why they do that is because we as middle-class people, what we have tasked police to do is to protect people and to protect property. Right? Police respond to a robbery. No one got hurt, right? Someone broke into a store, stole money. That's the police's job because they're supposed to protect property. But in the midst of a protest, especially an unplanned protest, I think that there has to be a different social contract with your law enforcement, which is to say that I think that you expect police in those situations to do their best to protect people and property be property doesn't matter, right? And that's tough to say because, you know, like some of these businesses that are looted are people of color-owned businesses, are poor businesses. And if as a city we can say, hey, we can try to make restitution, we can have insurance programs, right? We even collect tax money to fund this because it's ultimately the government's fault that these protests are happening because the government has not done its job to reform these things. And therefore... It is our job to pay for those things, not asking the police to somehow contain an uncontainable thing. I mean, I think that's really interesting 
Because when we do look at the protests that broke out right after uh, the video of George Floyd was uh, released, um, yeah, the, there was no control in that situation. It was a city that rioted, right? That, um, and no one was prepared for that. And um, after that, you know, there was maybe a day or two of chaos um, of, uh, but then, and then, um, you know, we had, there were police precincts that were burned down and then, uh, that's triggered a lot of curfews in these cities. And so, uh, clearly that was a way to, uh, help calm down the city, right? Was to, was a way, I mean, another way they could have done it was to arrest the officers right away, right? Like maybe what, if, if the idea of letting buildings burn is not palatable, maybe there should be a special circumstance when it comes to high-profile arrests or high-profile cases that even if they're officers and there are protocols that their union has put in, maybe there could be a emergency house arrest declaration done for things that are high crime. Like, they're not arrested. They're, like, de- somehow, like, some phrase for, like, uh, emergency detention also sounds weird, but you know what I mean? Like, so, but cause, I, that, <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's, but, but that was why the riots happened. It was cause right. why are you not arresting at least Chauvin right away? Why did it take two days? Right. right. And, and the, the excuse that the prosecutor gave was we need to collect all the evidence, which I get, it's hard to prosecute cops. And so they want to do everything perfectly well, but, but why not put him in some sort of custody Right. Um, because, okay. So, okay, so that's part one. And I, I think part, and then, um, so that's an option. I think the other one is, um, yeah, when it comes to, um, curfews and military force and uh, bringing in, uh, armored vehicles, I think there is a point to say that if a, if a, if a police officer does not feel like they're part of the community and the community doesn't feel like the police officer is part of their community, that they're not on the same side, then each side will escalate the other. Mm-hmm. Right, like, and it's like I the Cold War. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, um, uh, and so, I get it. If if there are people hurling rocks and at 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 stores, right, um, and then but the, uh, that's bad, and you want to have police that are protected. But what if you had unarmed cops? I don't know, again, trained community people who tried to stop and protect businesses, and were on the same seemed more on the same side. I wonder. I don't know. But I do wonder how that could play a role. And also, uh, so, sorry, final thing is like um, the National Guard has been brought in for a lot of these things. So now I think there's confusion kind of about what the National Guard is. And so because they wear like army gear, right? They wear camo and they have that kind of equipment. But the National Guard is just like emergency forces for the state. Um, and they did get a little militarized during the, the war in Afghanistan and stuff. Um, but in any case... Um, I think seeing them roll in without the community really understanding what they were there for and them with guns was really hard, I think, for a lot of these communities where they were already being so policed, uh, which is sad because I was reading in a Washington Post article, a lot of people were actually had good relations with them because they provided a lot of COVID relief. Right. They were setting up like stations and setting up medical things, but coming in with guns to seem like they were on the side of the other versus on the people side who they're right. supposed to represent, I think was difficult. And I think that goes to our understanding of protests and this question that we're wrestling with right now, how do we respond to protests? Because the understanding is that 
a protest occurs because there is distrust in the system, right? If you trust the system, you don't have protests, you have lawsuits, <laughs> right? Or yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you go through the system. And so protests occur when the, the mechanisms of the system have not been serving justice for a long amount of time. And then I or think, for an egregious or for an thing, egregious yeah. right, like, and I think that therefore, even that idea, this is something that we have to consider in this moment, because, do we really think that our country is never going to have anything else to protest? <laughs> no, right? Like, even if somehow we could do all this police reform, we still have you know a bunch of social issues in this country that are not getting addressed. Protests are going to continue to happen, and we want them to happen because we don't want a revolution, right? We don't want a civil war. We don't want a bunch of people taking up all of their guns and shooting, right, as their form of, of societal change. Protests are good, and we want them to keep happening. What is the way that we deal with them? Um, because one thing, I th one thing I think was, was interesting is, is learning that Basically, there is a chain of command, right? That when you have a protest in a city like LA, they bring in all their local law enforcement, and then when they've exhausted that, then they can call in state law enforcement, mm -hmm. Department of Justice, and then when they've proven they've exhausted that, then they can call in the National Guard, and at some point then, you know, you... And I'm wondering is like, if a majority of protests are against local systems of governance, right? is that the best chain of command, right? <laughs> like, I think that maybe it should be, like, if, you, if, if we understand that this is the way our country works, protesting is part of how our country, we want it to work, right? That then we can set up for the future a National Guard system where they're coming in not in black and camo, right? No guns. Where they're coming in in pink and purple, right, <laughs> with no guns, where they're coming in very quickly with the understanding we are on the side of the protesters, we are, we have systems, right, whether it's basically FEMA for protests, right, like, hey, property is going to get damaged, we're sorry about that, but here's insurance, here's ways to file claims. Maybe the National Guard can right? help board up buildings. Yeah, National Guard helps board, like, because I think that is something that is to say, like, yes, we have a system of planned protests, which I think honestly works pretty fairly well because people plan protests all the time. But we are going to continue and we should want to continue to expect unplanned protests on a myriad of issues. How do we respond to it? Because right now, I think we as middle class population have said police should just stop it, contain it. Like... Let them have their say and then make them go home. Right? Yeah, I think that's one problem. I think another problem is, like, the violent protests are rare, mm -hmm. right? Like, yes, there was a few days of looting and some curfews that we had to put in. Uh, I don't know, had, quote-unquote, <laughs> had, right? Like, um, but they're, they're not that common. In fact, <laughs> there was a thread of, like, white people rioting where it was, like, after, like, teams won or lost championships and they just like trashed like you know like they like yeah. i remember when the lakers won when i was a kid the first time they won with kobe and Shaq. like i was like dad why are they lighting things on fire in downtown la right like there was a surfing championship in like huntington beach and like the surfers like trashed like a town and like and so i i i don't want it to seem like all protests lead to rioting and i don't want it to seem like 
all rioting is just by um, agitators, right? It's literally like celebratory rioting. And it, it's weird. And, it goes, yeah. and I think it goes back to what we talked about, tolerable evil, right? Yeah. It's like the fact that that these police departments send in the line because a window gets broken, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, yo, the cost is too great, right? Like, just buy that guy a new car. Just buy, like, buy, like, restock that store for them, right? Like, but in the effort to try to eliminate all evil, you create so much more evil, yeah, right? Yeah, the tolerable evil is, is, like, a really... It's a hard standard, but it's got to be there. Yeah, because I think for unplanned protests... Yeah, you got to, And, you know, we saw that by our house, right? Because we live in Van Nuys, which is... One of the poor suburbs, Right, yeah. and some people were like, let's go to Van Nuys and protest. And basically all the organizers on Twitter were like, no, like, yeah, that is not... And then uh, some looters showed up, mm -hmm. right? And they tried to loot a CVS, and then the police came, and they arrested... And, like, that was an instance where I think that if... And again, right now, because we're protesting law enforcement itself, I understand that this makes it way harder, mm -hmm. right? But I think we do have to have a conversation of what is that next, next escalation for protesters, for grievances? And knowing that if we do not deal with the problems, it will reach that point, right? Mm -hmm. And Yeah, I mean, yeah, protests won't happen if... The people's voices are heard. Yeah, right? Yeah. If, if, if there's legislative change and if there's... Emergency know, detention. So, <laughs> sounds right? so, sounds so, so dystopian. Yeah. And a lot of this, again, it becomes about transparency and accountability. Yeah. Right? If there's transparency, if there's accountability, things like this don't happen. Or, you know, but they'll happen less frequently. Tolerable amount of evil. A tolerable amount of evil. But... You know, we have to think about that. So for me, I think it's also like just considering what is our role when it comes to protests. I think that at the very beginning, there was definitely a lot of agitated voices that were like, if you're not out in the streets, then you don't care, right? Mm -hmm. And then it was like, if you don't donate money, you don't care. If you're not, you know, I think we have to have a good conversation of what does it mean to care, right? And a part of us making this podcast you know, is really to like kind of middle class people, you know, like us, especially Asian Americans. I think what does it mean to care? Protesting can be a form of that. It can be an effective form for what it is meant to do, mm -hmm. right? Which is collective grievance. But then, you know, voting, legislating, donating, all of these things are also there. And ultimately it is to say, but there is a part of this, there is a part of this, which is, us reevaluating ourselves and us reevaluating our hearts and how we see the world and the systems that we live in and making sure that, you know, I think one of the things is we talk about, it's not just a bad apple problem, it's a systemic problem. Mm -hmm. But where does that system stop? Because it's not just the police system, it's also the tax system, it's also the governance system, Ooh. the legislative system. Did you know that in the primaries in Atlanta yesterday, some people had to wait like seven hours in line to vote in the primary? Mm. And so like LeBron James tweeted about it and um, other people too, like, you know, voting is a systematic, sy voting is a sign, even in voting there are signs of systemic racism because mm -hmm. of certain areas had you know problems you with ghetto areas full of <laughs> thugs <laughs> right. yeah we Dog could talk whistle. about we could talk about that too yeah um so we hope that you know part of i know that for a lot of people like 
maybe in our circle, middle-class Asians, there is, I don't know if protest fatigue is the right word, right? Like, there's a confusion of what are we supposed to be doing in the midst of this, mm -hmm. right? And to, I don't think there is a necessarily a one-size-fit-all answer. I think for some of you, if you're hearts and you know god is pricking at you to go out in the streets because you want to be a part of that collective grievance then yeah go do it right um and for others right it's to think about these things and to talk about them with your friends and your family and i think that's also part of what protests are designed to do all right bye <laughs>